Remember, God made you to be generous. God made God you to made be generous. generous. Has the human subject signed the consent form for the surgery? Procedure. This is not a surgery. He wants to become more generous. He's ready, and we are ready to move forward with the procedure. If it works, we'll be able to rewrite his entire genetic code to increase his generosity. People all around the world will have the ability to become more generous. And we'll have the ability to become more rich. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, God made God you to be generous. Careful, they're going to go through with the procedure. But why? Take a look at the documents, it's all in there. You know the truth as well as I do. We manufactured altering of our genetic code. We were born with it. God made us all to be generous. All of us, right? Are you ready? How are you feeling? I'm ready. Well, hey, Jeanette, you know, I tried to call you on your cell. Did you get my message? Get out of here! Don't you think he's just like all of us? He was born genetically generous! I haven't been down here for the 10 years that Lincoln Park has been a location, but I think I've been in every iteration of Lincoln Park that we've had. It's traveled around, so I am just excited that you guys will have a permanent space to gather in and a space where you can grow and your kids are full safe and they don't feel like they're in the back of a bar, you know, whenever you're <laughs> here and stuff. So no. Anybody here sports fans? Come on. It is not a good summer unless you're singing Go Cubs Go, right? Like, oh my gosh, we got to sing it yesterday. Hopefully we'll get to sing it today. But I, my family is a sports family. Both of my boys are very active in sports. And so on movie night in our household, when we have a family movie night, most of the time it's gonna be a sports movie. I don't know what it is, some iteration of some kind of sports movie. Even if it's Happy Gilmore, we're gonna have a sports movie that's gonna be playing. And so um, most recently we watched the movie Air. Anybody seen the movie Air? Air is this, the story of Nike and Michael Jordan. It has a great soundtrack, by the way, if you are a fan of the 80s music. Now, I realize I'm dating myself as I say that, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a great song. I kept saying that throughout the whole movie. Um, but another great movie that we watched was a football movie. My son Charlie is a football player, and we watched a movie a couple years ago, ago called American Underdog. And it's about the life story of two-time MVP, Super Bowl champion, Kurt Warner in his story, and it's an amazing story. And I recently learned that the Warner family, they have a family tradition called the restaurant game. And the restaurant game is the night before any road game, Kurt and his family, they will go to a restaurant. He has seven children, by the way. Look at that family, that's amazing. Seven kids, and they would go to a restaurant, and one of the kids would be instructed to search throughout the restaurant. So they would look throughout the restaurant, almost like a quarterback looking for a receiver. And they would search for a family, and then whenever one of the kiddos would identify a family, the Warner family would actually cover the dinner bill for that family anonymously. And they did that before every road game that they were on. And this idea for the restaurant game that the Warner family played came whenever Warner and his wife, they had just won the Super Bowl championship of 2000 with the St. Louis Rams, and they had remembered the days prior to the Warner family being in the NFL, prior to his career when Kurt was working the night shift at a grocery store 
and they were feeding their family with food stamps. And so with that in mind, giving became this kind of joyful family tradition that they practiced on a regular basis. This is what Kurt says. He said, we want our kids to grow up knowing that because of football, we are blessed. Warner said, we never want them to lose sight of what it's really about. Our circumstances are not the most important thing. It's what we do with those circumstances. And I love this story because I love how Kurt kind of took some challenging circumstances of his life and turned it into a way to model generosity in a fun way for his family and his kids to engage in. So we are in the third message of this genetically generous series. And we've been talking about living a life of generosity, living a life that is blessing others. See, God created all of us, each and every one of us, to be generous people. And we've been learning every uh, single one of us is wired to be generous. And we're wired to be generous because we're made in the image of a generous God. Each and every one of us is a unique display of God. And generosity is one of those ways each one of us get to display his image on this earth. If God were to take a personality test, generosity would be one of those kind of prominent characteristics that we would see at the top of that list. And we see his generosity throughout scripture. God who created all of life that is on the planet. God who created this abundance that serves us so well. And ultimately the God who gave himself, his self in the life of Jesus on this earth and himself fully on the cross. And so we, as human beings, being made in God's image, we are also created for generosity. Each and every one of us, it's in our DNA, it's how we're created. Now there are some nuances to kind of how this gets displayed, which is how we kind of understand our genetic wiring, which is where this genetically generous profile uh, idea has come about. But I want us to visit a passage in Scripture, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, where Paul writes to the church in Corinth about being generous. And so if you go back to chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians, um, and kind of at the beginning of chapter 9, you'll see Paul is doing this kind of delicate work of kind of challenging the church to kind of follow through on a financial commitment that had been previously made. And he's being really intentional with the choice of his words in scripture because believe it or not some people some people get really nervous when church leaders start talking about money now I don't know if that's you but some people some people start getting a little uncomfortable when church leaders start talking about money in this church in Corinth that Paul is talking about, they had promised to send a generous offering to the church in Corinth, and so they hadn't followed through on it yet. And, and this is what Paul sends to them through a messenger to encourage them. And he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So first Paul talks about this sowing, 
sowing sparingly or sowing generously. And notice he doesn't say those who don't sow. It's, it's just because we all sow. We are all wired to be generous. It's are we going to sow sparingly or are we going to sow generously? That's the distinction there. And here's the thing. We are wired to be generous. Even, you can see it even in our littlest kiddos, those toddlers that we see out there in the, uh, the lobby of the bar. I just like to refer to that because I think it's kind of funny that they're out there. But even toddlers, you know, even toddlers, my little kid, my boys when they were little, they would share even like a, like a slobbery old Cheerio with me or something like that. And they would um, gather dandelions, you know, unprompted out and share them with me. At the same time, they can be the most self-centered creature. Everything's mine, 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 right? And even though they haven't learned the skill of sharing, they still have that default, that natural inclination to begin to share. Because everybody is born with this inclination to give, to be generous. Generosity, it's in our DNA. It's how we're wired. But the question is, will we so sparingly or will we sow generously? That's the choice that Paul is challenging us with in this scripture. And then he says, each should give what you have decided in your heart to give, which means whether we sow sparingly or generously, we make that decision in our heart. It comes from within. And he's urging us to give generously is what he's doing. And he says, don't give reluctantly. Don't give under compulsion. Give freely, willingly, give cheerfully. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means our motivation matters, for one. The key to life of sowing generously is through our motivation. What motivates us? And think about it, motivation is really key to so many areas of our life. I know for me, um, I want to be physically healthy. And so my motivation uh, to get up and go for a run in the morning, right, is important. You know, I also have motivation to want to eat that Jenny's ice cream as well. Any fans of Jenny's ice cream? Favorite place, right? I can exercise sparingly or I can exercise generously. I can eat sparingly or eat generously. Here's the thing. It's our motivation, right? And I'm motivated to be healthy because I'm motivated to eat ice cream. Our motivation matters. Our motivation matters. It's key. And when we are motivated to give, we will give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. The 14th century theologian uh, Julian of Norwich wrote this. Cheerful givers do not count the cost of what they give. Their hearts are set on pleasing and cheering the person to whom the gift is given. When we are motivated to give from our hearts, to give back to God, we do it cheerfully. And this whole idea is that motivation is key in our generosity. And that's what got us thinking. We're all wired for generosity, but perhaps we are motivated by different ways. What might motivate me might not be what motivates you, and we all are different. What motivates us is very different. So we begin to ask this question, just begin to understand what's the motivation behind giving? What's important to our spiritual journey here and how we are generous? Now, last week, I know you guys went to the beach, 
which is something fun to do in the summertime, right? That's awesome. But the week prior to that, there were three generosity profiles that were introduced. So if you haven't taken that generosity profile quiz, you're going to feel really awkward in a moment because I'm going to start referring to it and asking your questions. And if you haven't taken that quiz, go ahead and do so. It's anonymous. It's eight. By the time I get done here, you'll be able to answer those questions that will give you a little insight into kind of your own nuanced way of being motivated through generosity. Uh, these profiles that you find through this assessment, they were created by a community attender who's a successful businessman. He's a committed Christ follower. He's part of our leadership commission as well. And, and maybe um, whenever you take this, you're going to identify with a couple. You'll have a couple that are top two and then the rest of them. And so maybe last week we talked about three of them. Maybe they were your primary or secondary, so I just want to cover them briefly. And the first one was a community grower. So if you've taken that assessment, and if community grower was part of your assessment, did anybody get a community grower? Got a few of those. Community grower. And that's kind of obvious, right? That's, you're kind of raised your hand. You like to be part of a community. You like the community to grow. It was probably really exciting to see that we're moving across the street to 250 seat auditorium. I can't wait to see that place packed out. You know, that's a community grower. Uh, budget keepers, any budget keepers in the room? Yes, budget keepers, right? Your motivation is being wise with your money. You want to keep track of it and stuff. Now, the third one that they talked about a couple weeks ago was faith stretcher. Any faith stretchers in the room? Who's out there? Awesome. And your primary motivation is spiritual growth. And this is my top one right here. This is me. It was over 20 years ago that I began my tithing journey. It was during a stewardship campaign at Community. I had just found my way back to God. So I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. Maybe you're sitting in the back and waiting to leave during the last song. But that was me over 20 years ago. And I sat in the back, but I was challenged during a capital campaign called Imagine. I was a single mom. I was a full-time college student. And I had a part-time job. But I had decided in my heart to begin contributing. And, and I committed to a certain dollar amount. And what is amazing is over that two-year commitment, God had moved in my life in such a way that I was able to double that commitment by the end of it. Not only was my faith stretched when I made that decision, my spiritual growth was exponential by the time it was done. So today we're going to cover the rest of those other profiles that are here. And so inevitably, we love learning about ourselves. So if you've raised your hand, you'd like to learn about those different profiles. Maybe there are some other profiles that are coming up that aren't yours. But I want to encourage you to listen to those intently as well. Maybe somebody you know, somebody you love, also is, fits into that bucket. And it helps us identify how just diverse our um, generosity is, even within uh, the Lincoln Park location. So let's take a look at those final three different profiles that we have in this genetically generous wiring. And the first one is the disciplined doers. Any disciplined doers out there? Got one. I love the disciplined doers. Those nice rule, like to follow the rules, joyful obedience is your motivation. You listen to the commands of scripture, you take them seriously, they give you life if this is you. You are consistently wanting to follow those biblical principles, knowing that they align with God's ideals for your life. You're obedient, and you experience God's blessing through that. 
Now this may surprise you, but a good role model in scripture that we find for a disciplined doer is Zacchaeus. Maybe not Zacchaeus before he knew Jesus. That Zacchaeus was a a hated tax collector. He did not sow uh, generously. He sowed sparingly. But he had this encounter with Jesus, and his life was completely transformed. And once he found his way back to God, Zacchaeus, out of joyful obedience, he, he gives abundantly above and beyond because he knows it's the right thing to do, and it brings him great joy to do so. I recently heard this story of a disciplined doer. His name is Albert Lexi. And he was a shoe shiner for 30 years at a hospital in Pittsburgh. And for a long time, he only charged $5 to shine the shoes of the folks who had come in there. And he he had shined lots of shoes over those 30 years and just had customers that were patients, families of the patients, doctors and lawyers that had made their way through the hospital. And because Albert was so friendly and just a great shoe shiner, um, he always got good tips. And he took those tips and he would save them. And when Albert decided to retire, he approached the hospital and said that he wanted to make a contribution to the hospital's free care fund. It was a fund that they used to help cover the cost of um, hospital visits for families who couldn't afford to do so. And he had said that he had taken all those tips over the 30 years and had saved them and put them aside. And he wanted to use them to give to this fund. Any idea how much money that was over the 30 years that he contributed? Over $200,000 he was able to give. And the hospital was blown away by this significant, generous gift. And you know what? Albert never did anything big. He was just diligent. He was disciplined at shining those shoes. He was disciplined at saving those tips. That's what he was doing. That's what it looks like to be a disciplined doer. Okay, let's do some simple math here, just in a room this size. Let's just assume we set aside 10% of your income for the next 30 years. And let's say you make on average 70000 I know some of us in this room might make more than that. Some of us in the room don't make that much money, right? But let's just use it to do some simple math. Any idea how much a tithe would add up to be at the end of 30 years, if that's what you made? $210,000. That's even more than Albert gave to that hospital, which made headline news. And this happens on a regular basis throughout the local church. That diligent, small percentage, obediently given over time, makes a significant impact in the kingdom of God. So let's look at the next profile. This is the cause movers. How many are cause movers? This one I know gets a lot of people, cause movers. You are drawn to specific causes that are here and now, right now that you can see. You might maybe even the first person who wants to respond in a generous manner whenever there is an emergency that's happening, you wanna give in kind of a tangible way. Uh, You you, uh, respond quickly, but you also give to people who you trust. Cause movers like to see how uh, their giving makes an immediate impact. They like to give to organizations that they trust, making sure that they're responsible with the money that they've given. Uh, When I think of cause movers in the Bible, I think of Nehemiah. 
You may not be familiar with Nehemiah's story, but Nehemiah was the man that God used to rebuild uh, Jerusalem after it had been destructed. Um, his brother had recently gone to a trip in Jerusalem, and whenever he returned, Nehemiah was kind of asking him questions about the trip to find out the conditions of the city. And his brother had some bad news and talked about how it had been destroyed. And, and it was a mess. And Nehemiah was troubled, and, and he sat down, and he begins to weep and pray. But while he's praying, it's this important piece of information that he's reminded of. He is like, I am the cup bearer to the king. And he is moved, and he, and he, gets, he springs into action, understanding his, his current influence and impact that he already has with his connections with the king and the resources that he has. And he uses them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. This is a picture of a cause mover. They need a cause, and they spring into action, and they tackle it until it turns into a movement. I'm a cause mover. That's one of mine as well, is a cause mover. And that's why my family and I, that's why we sponsor kids through Compassion International. That's a great cause that I get behind. That's why I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon, and I'm going to raise money for Team World Vision, which supplies water in um, areas that don't have access to clean water. But I'm a cause mover. Get me behind a cause, and I will invest in that. Now, here's our last profile that I want to talk about, and it's the legacy builder. Any legacy builders in the room? Legacy builders, we got a few of you raising your hand. Very cool. See, you're visionary. You look beyond today, and you dream for how you can make an impact in the future as well. This motivates you. You want your life to count for something. You want to leave an impact. You may even want to leave an inheritance to your kids, something that lives beyond you being here, something that has significance for you. And you want to leave a mark that is bigger than yourself. Legacy builders, you reflect the image of a generous God when you cheerfully give out of your motivation to leave a legacy. A great legacy builder that we read about in the scriptures is Ruth. Uh, Ruth had uh, suddenly lost her husband, and it, she could have had every reason to walk away from her mother-in-law, Naomi, that we read in the scripture, but instead of choosing to just take care of herself, Ruth actually commits to Naomi and to caring for her mother-in-law. In fact, she goes and gets a job in a field. Now, this is a culture different than ours, but she actually goes to a wealthy man in the middle of the night to see if he would commit to marrying her. And so she could care generously for her mother-in-law in need. She did that. And what's so beautiful about this act is that I know there are people in my life right now who are making these very commitments right now to their own folks and their own in-laws right now. And God blesses Ruth through this action, not by just providing a beautiful marriage for her, but a legacy, a legacy that ends up being revealed through her great-grandson, David, who becomes the king of Israel. That's a legacy we're talking about today, several thousand years later. So I hope this series has encouraged you to see all the different ways that you are wired you are wired to reflect a generous God. Every single one of us, 
Every single one of these profiles is good and reflects a unique way that God has wired you to display his image on this earth. Knowing how you're wired can help you leverage your motivation so you can sow generously. If you want to learn more about this, you can go to the website. There's additional information to kind of find out how do each of these ways you're wired lead you to give financially, lead you to serve in gener generous ways, lead you to be relational. We all have different capacities within each of these profiles and each of these tendencies. And you can learn more about you and how you're wired generously by going to communitychristian.info. But for now, let me encourage you. Just set your sights on sowing generously, sowing generously with your time, with your talents, with your resources, relationally, knowing that you're displaying a very image of God on this earth. When we give cheerfully, we become these conduits of actual God's generosity and the way he's uniquely designed you. Each and every one of you is a unique display of God on this earth. And whenever you give generously, you are showing the love of a generous God. You are ushering it in on earth just as it is in heaven. And through each one of us, God is leaving a legacy as we are finding and helping more and more people find their way back to this generous God. Will you pray with me? Creator God, you are generous. You are generous with life. You provide abundantly on this earth. And I just pray for everyone in this space that they would really understand that they are a unique display of your image on this earth. Each one of them and everybody they encounter is also a unique display of your image on this earth. And through our generosity is one of the ways that we get to distribute your love in all the unique ways you've wired us to do so. May we as a community so so generously, generously with love, generously with forgiveness, generously with grace, generously with our resources, because you are a generous God. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Amen.